I told you I'm sick of you, man. I'm so glad this is over. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Frontend Masters. Engineers have watched over 2 million hours of Frontend Masters videos to upgrade their skills in the latest best practices in frontend development and Node.js. Popular video courses of theirs include courses on Advanced JavaScript, Angular 2, React, API Design with Node, and functional and asynchronous JavaScript. Many of their teachers have even been guests on JavaScript Jabber. Check them out at frontendmasters.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to JavaScript Jabber. This week on our panel, we have AJ O'Neill. Yo, 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 coming at you live from Atlanta, Georgia. It's really weird looking at you when I do this, AJ. <laughs> I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. We have two special guests this week. We have Donovan Brown. Hi, I'm Donovan Brown. I'm a senior DevOps program manager here at Microsoft. We also have Jordan Matheson. Hey, I'm Jordan Matheson, like you said, and I'm a program manager on the Microsoft Visual Studio team working on JavaScript mobile developer tooling. All right, well, uh, we're here at Microsoft Ignite. Um, this is our second take, so I won't make the same mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a conference for uh, IT pros. But I liked correcting you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I said it was about DevOps, and, and that's, that's essentially what we're going to be talking about here with JavaScript uh, and DevOps. But uh, the, the question I asked earlier, and I, I'll ask it again, is uh, JavaScript's kind of everywhere, right? It's in mobile, it's in the web, it's in all kinds of other stuff. I keep seeing it in IoT. Um, so is DevOps for JavaScript that much more complicated because it's everywhere, or is it simplified to whatever case you're using it for? It, it depends on what case you're using it for, because I am a big proponent of unit testing all the code that I write. Uh -huh. And like Node.js is a piece of cake for me to unit test in a DevOps pipeline. I'll throw in Mocha or Jasmine, and it's um, very easy for me to run those in a pipeline. But when I start trying to run JavaScript test in a web browser, like in that context for web development, it's a little trickier for me to get mm -hmm. that to run the same way. So uh, JavaScript, like we talked about mobile earlier, it has a unique set of challenges when what tools you're going to use, how are you going to test it, how are you going to get the code coverage out of it using something like Istanbul, and how do I get that to incorporate in my DevOps pipeline? Uh, it's not impossible. It's mm -hmm. just a different set of challenges. Um, like I said earlier, I try to take DevOps and apply it to every type of software development I can so I can get the benefit of DevOps uh, through that pipeline. Gotcha. And I know, Jordan, that you work on um, Visual Studio Code, I think is what you said, and uh, you're involved somewhat in Cordova and things like that at Microsoft. So how do you look at that, where you're building tools and, and, and working on mobile and things like that? How do you look at DevOps with JavaScript? Yeah, so with, well, kind of similar in a lot of ways, you know, first, from my perspective, I'm definitely not a DevOps expert, quite like Donovan, but, um, from our perspective, like with our Visual Studio tooling, we've got some continuous integration tasks and things where mm -hmm. you can check in your Cordova project and get a build and have it um, kind of deploy that build out. You can tie it in with the hockey app service and be able to deploy the app from a fresh build out to your beta test user base. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's kind of the main the way I, I look at where we tie in with DevOps is uh, like our, my tooling's around the coding and the check-in, and then after check-in, you've got that continuous integration flow, continuous delivery type of a process. So right. you're working more from the developer, his inner loop of actually writing the code. Right. Right. And then what you're, it sounds like what your tools are doing is making sure that when you hand that off to your CI system, the tasks are there to build it. But at that point, it's kind of like, okay, it's the black box, get the DevOps out and do everything else on the other end. Is that right? right? Oh, got it. Yeah. So more developer focused on that point. Right. Yep. Got it. Okay. Cool. Yep. So um, let's just focus on Node for a minute. It seems like a good place to start. It's, it's a pretty common and pretty popular platform. Um, you know, people are doing all kinds of things, you know, with Node. 
Um, and I think AJ does a lot of stuff with Node, you know, for the, his startup and things like that. Uh, I, I'm curious, so for somebody like AJ, where you're working on uh, back-end systems that have Node, or you have um, systems that you're deploying out elsewhere across the internet with Node, um, how should he approach some of these processes that you work in day in and day out? Well, I think the tools that Jordan worked on is going to make his day-to-day -day authoring of the code easier. Uh -huh. right? But if you're asking about the delivery of that code, it's the same. Okay, I'll define it again for your users in case they weren't, they don't watch both shows. But DevOps is the union of people, process, and products to enable continuous delivery of value to your end users. Right. That, I didn't say anything about languages, I didn't say anything about platforms, so I don't need to, right? It doesn't matter. If you're trying to deliver value to your customers, that's the goal. Doing that with Node.js is no different than doing it with C-sharp or mm -hmm. VB.net. It doesn't matter. It's, a, it's just I, more fun because it's JavaScript. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So what it allows us to do is basically take the tools that you're going to use. You're going to use Node.js. What do you use for testing? Are you using Mocha, Jasmine? What are you using? Because hopefully you're writing automated unit testing. I don't want to call you out here and all your customers are like, he doesn't do unit testing. <laughs> well, so I, I, I do testing kind of on an as-needed basis. I'm, gotcha. I'm, the worst, I'm the worst person in the world at that thing. Not the worst, actually, but... No, yeah, I doubt you like, I know the worst. You're not him. When I, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I tend to just write a couple of files that have the test cases in them and, and exit with status one if it's bad and got exit it, with status it. zero if it's so good. You're not using a framework for unit testing, you're writing your own your own code for that. Yeah. Got it, got it. I, I, I'm a big proponent of, of Mocha. I, I'm a huge fan of that testing framework. It allows me to use BDD when I'm writing my test cases uh, and it works really effectively when you're using something like Gulp to run them all the time whenever you're mm -hmm. uh, doing your, your normal inner loop and then obviously running them as part of your DevOps pipeline is also a piece of cake. And then I usually tie that in with sign-on so I can get my mocking and then obviously I, I bolt on Istanbul at the end it gives me full code coverage. I'm a huge fan of code coverage, right? I know better than to believe 100% means no no bugs, but it helps me strive to make sure that I have good code coverage mm -hmm. in all of my tests. And what I've been doing is tying that into my DevOps pipelines as well, because I don't want a Java developer to say, it's too hard to do this, so I'm not going to do this. So I find ways that we can improve our products to make sure that it's easy for everyone, even if you want to do Node or Jasmine or whatever right. the case might be. Because it's the best practice regardless. Everyone should be writing unit tests. Like, mm -hmm. I, I won't accept any excuse on why you're not writing unit tests. That's, it's a fallacy if you think you're faster doing it without it. So first I want to understand more about what you do with Node.js. Because sure. you, were, you were saying earlier when we were talking downstairs that you enjoy playing with it, you do a lot with it these days. Wow. So tell, tell me about what you're doing. Okay, cool. And then I'm going to ask you some questions about what I'm doing as well. Okay, perfect. So um, I wasn't a huge fan of JavaScript. Again, I don't like the loosely typed languages. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a, I come from a C background, then I learned C++, all strongly typed, all really secure. But then I joined the Visual Studio Team Services team. And you have the ability to write extensions for Visual Studio Team Services. Our build system works on Linux, it works on Mac, and it works on PC. Mm -hmm. So for me to write my extension once, right, the same mm -hmm. challenge you have for mobile, I had to choose a language at that time that went across all of them. JavaScript is everywhere, as you pointed yes. out. Now, fast forward a year, and now we have PowerShell on all three. I could have chosen PowerShell, but at the time, I, PowerShell was not an option for me mm -hmm. to be able to reach all three platforms, so I chose JavaScript. And our engine understands Node.js, so that's how I got introduced to Node.js is I had these tasks that I wanted to write, 
and I wanted them to work on all build systems, no matter what language or what platform they were. So that's how I got started with it. Um, so, quick ahead. question. So, Node.js, Microsoft now has a Chalker version. Is that uh, at is that production ready yet? Or that's a good question. You asked me that downstairs, and that's not the version that I'm using. So maybe you can answer that. I haven't heard it go production yet okay. on that one, so I don't know of any change in status on that. Yeah. Okay. And well, another thing you do, I've, I've seen been, the same thing as you, like the shocker code, you know, the, the pull request and the work on that space. But. Hey, I've Donovan been, likes cars. I like my V8 engines. It's it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've just been using straight go to node and download and install it and using okay. it straight from the command line. So, yeah, I haven't used any other flavors of that. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious now. I'll probably go and do some research to see what that's about. Well, I know the, the Mac support, there was just a pull request uh, that got merged in that I haven't tried it yet, but I'm, sure. I've been waiting for that to happen because I actually want to use Chakra and, and oh, find okay. out how it works. Anyway, I didn't mean to sidetrack oh, us. Fine. I was just curious, yeah, and that sure. came to my mind. I'll sidetrack the listener really quickly. At Build, we talked to the team lead. Oh, cool. Uh, Rami, I think is his name. But yeah, so yeah, go check that episode out if you're interested in Chakra and what uh, AJ's talking about because we interviewed him there, and it was, it was a great interview. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Anyway, go ahead. So you were telling me about what you're doing with Node.js yeah, right and how it integrates in the extensions for... Yeah, so Visual Studio Team Services, you can write extension, uh, like build task, release task, you can write widgets. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of what you saw me demo in the keynote, the second demo that I did, you can extend all of that yourself. And you can use JavaScript to do a lot of that extension. And Node is, the, uh, is the, what I used, is the platform that I chose, simply because a lot of what I was doing, I wanted to run on, on like I said, Linux, Mac, and, and Windows. And at the time, Node was the best answer for me. And I've just kind of stuck with it because it is extremely powerful. And, and it's all asynchronous. And it changed the way I think about code because everything is asynchronous now, right? Mm -hmm. There's callbacks for everything. And at first, I hated it. And now I'm starting to go, oh, I'm starting to understand. And I'm starting to change my thinking. And I, find, I see the power in it. And my extensions are great. And, and I just have, I'll have a lot of fun with it now. So I stuck with it. Yeah, well, I, even if you're writing code you think is synchronous, you know, just the nature of everything talking to everything, you, you can't always count on it. And so it's it's interesting, you know, you're you're saying, yeah, I'd like it to be synchronous and simple, That's but how it's I not think. Yeah, yeah, but it's exactly. not it's not always that way. But now I'm starting to look for things that I can do in parallel that I didn't used to do yeah. before, right? I used to always think, okay, I'm gonna go download this file and then I'm gonna go parse this file and then I'm gonna go do and then I'm finally gonna go do this. I'm like, hold on. This has nothing to do with those other three steps. I could literally just go do both of these at the same time right. and then let this guy catch up and then glue them back together at the end. And I, I was working on a Yeoman task recently, right? a Yeoman mm -hmm. generator. Uh, I'm, I'm, I can't say any more for that because it's a special thing I'm going to do at, at, at uh, Ignite in New Zealand here, so I can't spoil it too much. But I realized that I could speed this up because so much of that could have been done in parallel which Node makes so easy to do, uh, whereas before it had been very difficult for me to realize that, oh, I could paralyze this, and now it's gonna be hard for me to paralyze in another language. Node is like, no, we do this like by default. It's harder for you to do this serially than it is for you to do it parallel when you're dealing with Node, which right. just changes the way that I think about things. But um, once you get over the hump, and, and I'm a crunchy old man, right? I can't believe we're doing Markdown. HTML was good enough for me, but now everything's Markdown. I remember using TFVC, and now everyone wants to use Git. So when it went to Node, I was like, damn it, really, right? Do I have to learn something else? And I didn't even want to learn it, and then now I've gotten over that, and I'm like, okay, I get it, guys. This is pretty cool stuff. Yep. Yeah, that's that's one thing I wish more people in the JavaScript community would learn JavaScript, because I see so many people coming from 
whatever community they're from, and just trying to turn JavaScript into that language. Oh, you know, I, like, I remember the stories like the worst C++ programmers are C programmers. Because the C programmer, everything works, right? So yes. they're like, oh, now I'm a C++ programmer. No, you're horrible. You don't understand OO at all. And because everything that you used to do still works, you think you're now an object-oriented programmer. And I can completely get where you're coming from. It's like, JavaScript is so free and so flexible, though. I can almost do that. Wherever I come from, I can probably make JavaScript feel like mm -hmm. I want it to, which probably isn't the best way to use it, right? Well, the, yeah. the other aspect of that is the React programmer or the Angular programmer, right, that comes in and doesn't know JavaScript. And so they just do everything by example. You know, they pull code off of Stack Overflow, and then when something really tricky that is They're something stuck. they have to do, they, they kind of look at it and go, now what? Yep, yep. It's learning the fundamentals. I would go yeah. back, I remember when I learned uh, how to program in, in Windows development. I learned Win32 before I learned MFC. So an MFC programmer was basically confined by what the MFC framework provided for them. If you didn't mm -hmm. know Win32, you would eventually get stuck right. with, I, we haven't implemented that new feature yet. But because I knew Win32, the core underneath MFC, yep. I had no bounds on me. I would use the convenience of MFC when it worked, and then I would drop down to the lower level. And that meant learning that development at a completely different level, right? And I think that's what you're saying with JavaScript. Learn JavaScript first. Don't worry about Angular yet. Don't worry about any of these other things yet. Node even, right? Because that's mm -hmm. just an implementation well, of it. I mean, Node, you can write JavaScript in Node like you can write JavaScript in a browser. Sure. But the, the difference being like JavaScript versus CoffeeScript or Elm or, or NativeScript or TypeScript or, or, TypeScript, okay. or asterisks, whatever you want. Sure, sure, script sure, sure, that, sure. You know, there's a new one every week these days. Right. You know what? Funny thing is, is I don't use TypeScript. I get a lot of crap at it and working at Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't use it. I'm like, it's to me, that's just another level on top of something that I want to understand. And I think if I'm really good at writing JavaScript and I'm really disciplined in my architecture, I don't need those. And it's weird coming from a C++ programmer. You would think I would be dying for that type, that strong mm -hmm. typing and that the protection that it gives you. But again, being old and not wanting change, I'm like, it's just something else I gotta learn, right? Yeah, and, Donovan, and, and, I thought we could be friends. But <laughs> so I'm, you're, a I'm huge, a, you're a huge I'm giving you a hug, man. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, I'm though. waiting to be convinced, man. And, and yeah. every time what ends up happening is I'm like, okay, I'm gonna learn it this week. Right? And then I'm like, an hour in, damn it, I would be done already. Right? If I wasn't trying to figure out how I get all this tooling to work, how do yeah. I get it in Visual Studio Code and the transcompiling work, I'm like, screw this, man. I'm just going to go back. Right? Because I'm yeah, too but impatient. It's, so, it's the same so, with any so new tool. You, it is. You hit you're a point, absolutely right. You hit a point that we got we to gotta circle back around to with the tooling, right? Because what you're talking about is all, I, you're, you're throwing out things that I've heard the words, but I'm not familiar with them because I haven't used them. I tend to develop very admittedly a little too simply. Like I, I could add some tools to my stack, but I tried to develop like in Vim without any automated processes in place. Just gotcha. like I write code and I, I write tests when there are functions that have inputs and outputs that I can easily test. And other than that, I kind of do more the integration route where I'm testing like the API to make sure not that all the individual functions necessarily work, but that the the loop works. You can right? solve a problem. Or so yeah, AJ's our purist on the show. I, I <laughs> it just it's. I used to be one of those people that liked all the latest and greatest, but I I just got to a point. Cause you get you can't keep up, man. You can't. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. You can't. And then and then it's like it's like oh, forget it all. I just I just want to go back to F five refresh. Oh, it worked. Awesome. That JavaScript fatigue was like a serious phrase last year, especially right. Yeah, we did a show on it because yeah, it kept coming up. Oh yeah. Wow. But um, 
we're jumping all over the place, but yeah, we so are, what, but what is team services? Okay. Because so, you said you said you're integrating with Linux, Mac, and Windows. Yes. And when I hear Visual Studio, oh, I I'm I, glad you're I'm glad you're pushing on the this. I, Visual Studio code, I understand that runs everywhere. It's like built on Electron, which is the same thing that Adam Adam's is built, built on. on yep. uh -huh. So I get it and, and I've seen it, I've seen people use it, I love it. Video Studio Team Services, all I heard was Jabberwocky, Jabberwocky, <laughs> integration at the speed of information, cloud scale. All right, so let, let me frame that one for you. So um, Team Services, in its long name is Visual Studio Team Services. Most of us inside of Microsoft either call it VSTS or Team Services, because the name is just too freaking long, right? So uh, I use them all interchangeably. It is your source control, your continuous integration, your continuous deployment, package management, work item tracking, bug tracking, it's everything that you need to turn an idea into a working piece of software. It works for any language, targeting any platform, which means our build server, the actual guy who does the heavy lifting of your build, will happily, must run on a Mac, and must run on Linux, and must run on Windows. Okay. Otherwise, my statement of any language, any platform is foobar. Right? It's, it's not, but it's, it's true. Uh, and that's why I was saying I had to learn Node, because at the time, that was the only way I could get to all three of those platforms and not have to rewrite my task and rewrite my, all my mm -hmm. extensions over and over again. So that's team services. And what I do with everything that I write, Mocha, or I mean, if, it, if it's Node or if it's C Sharp or if it's Java, I use team services to give me that DevOps pipeline, that continuous integration, so that I can take whatever it is that I'm writing and get it to my users as quickly as I possibly can. Said it in the other show, I apply DevOps to everything that I do yeah. because it simply reduces friction and increases my velocity and my quality. Okay, so uh, let's break that down into sure. a, a simple product that I'm going to ship out to customers. Are we talking about um, what, what, what kind of product are we talking about that we'd be using with team services? Like an API service or like a mobile app or? Oh, great question. Everything you write. Okay. Everything so, you write, because everything that you write eventually has to get to a machine that it can be used by your users. Right. Uh, so, so earlier you were throwing out Istanbul and yep. Mocha, yep. and uh, there was a couple other ones in there. So, what 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 is that process in an actual like? Can you give an example of an actual application that you've done, and and where those fit into Absolutely. that process? Absolutely. So, uh, again. Uh, New Zealand will be awesome. Let me just say that because I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to show what I'm about to tell you on stage at New Zealand. Right. Okay. So it is a Node.js web app, not a web service, a web app, full-blown UI. Right. I think I'm using, I can't remember what framework I'm using for my my templating of my website, but um, it's a full-blown web application. Okay. And it's uh, MVC, which means I have controllers. Those controllers are really easy to be tested. That's what MVC, one of the good things about MVC, that pattern is, it's really easy to test your controllers. So I need to unit test these, which I use Mocha for, right? Now, if any of these unit tests were to call out to a web service or to a database, during a unit test, you should not actually call out to that database or to that web service. You should isolate this particular piece of code. So I use sign-on. Sign-on is just a mocking framework that can fake out my other code to make it think it's calling that database or it's actually writing to a file on the hard drive, but it's really calling this so, mock that I created. Now, with, with Angular, there's dependency injection. So yep. doing something like that, I totally get, because you, sure. you can just inject, inject yeah. a, the a fake, fake, yep. fake, a fake requester. Yeah. But with Node, you have require, and if you require request, and request is calling out to the service, how does sign-on help with Ooh, that? That's a, that's a really good yeah. one, right? So yeah, there's, there's a whole, <laughs> do you know the answer to that one? Do you no, I that? don't. Okay, go. so there is a completely different um, module that you can actually add that you can literally fake 
the require as well. Okay. Right? So that you think you're requiring uh, React, because I just did this one, right? Where you think you're requiring Express, and Express is a tough one because very few of us do Express.get, right? We don't actually call the function, we just use the name itself, and then we go ahead and do, do our call. But you can actually hijack the entire require to where you actually get a fake version of that that I've actually provided so, for you. So you're kind of doing dependency injection Even by you, overloading require. Exactly, okay. exactly, exactly. And that way, I am now in control of the response that my code gets, be it uh, if you're using a um, file system, if you're using a web service, or whatever this case is, you're really talking to another piece of code that is giving you what I want it to give you mm -hmm. so that I can then go back and assert, did you behave correctly or not? And then the key is, how do I then tie that into my DevOps pipeline so that if we're working on a team, yeah. I want those same tests to run if you check in code or if Jordan checks in code or if I check in code, those tests need to run to make sure that none of us screwed up. Right. And that's why it's important to have something like team services be able to take that commit compile it and then run all those tests again. Because you might not have run them on your machine before you checked in that change and you've broken the rest of us. So the system that you'd have in place with team services, part of it is running on your local system. That's just your dev environment. That's what Jordan okay. does for you, right? He's the guy who's making sure that your dev environment on your local environment is the best experience you could possibly have. As soon as you commit that to a Git repository, that's when my team kicks in. Okay, and that is the, that's up in Azure? Yes. Okay. Yes, it absolutely is. Or you can install, that's team services. It has a twin brother called Team Foundation Server that okay. you can install yourself. Okay. And that you get the same functionality, but on your own hardware. It's okay. completely up to you. And, that's, me, and that is Windows hardware, though? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. That does that. The build agent will run anywhere, but the core engine and that all runs on Windows and backed by SQL Server. Okay. You have to have a Windows Server for that. If you don't want to install that, just go to Team Services. It's literally for free. Everyone listening to my voice right now can go to VisualStudio.com and fire up Team Services and start doing everything that I'm saying for free. Right. There's okay. nothing to cost to get started. Right. So. Okay. And this and this integrates with Visual Studio Code, not just Visual Studio. Absolutely, it integrates. Pro. Visual Studio Code, uh, in, uh, Android Studio, Eclipse, IntelliJ, Visual Studio, any language, any platform. I was preaching that in the, in the <laughs> keynote this morning, and that's why. Everywhere okay. you are, we're coming there to help you be better with Microsoft. This is the new Microsoft, right? And, and, and it's hard for a lot of our customers to get their head around. Sometimes it's hard for me to get my head around. The first time I installed Linux was after I joined Microsoft. Yeah, really I weird. saw that we've got a Linux booth yeah. here today Yeah, I over mean, in the... Uh, I don't remember what section it is. Yeah, I flew here with an Ubuntu 16.04 laptop, right? And and a Mac. Yeah, and the, and the guy over the VS Code block, he's 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 doing all his demoing on the Mac. Yeah, exactly, right? So I had to do half of my demo on a Mac today. So it's just it's a weird place to have Microsoft order me a Mac, right? And then have it shipped to my house. I'm and like, and you have to use it. You have to. Yeah, I hate it. I personally, I honestly don't like it at all. <laughs> I like my Linux machine and my Windows machine a lot because all my keyboard shortcuts mm -hmm. are the same. Command, option, whatever, man. I, I hate so that stupid thing. On your question about the uh, like VSTS and using it, at one level you could look at it as it's or not even look at it as if, it actually is a Git repo. You can set up as Git and just do Git CLI, check in, and then have the server side take care of the CI kind of process for yep. you. He's absolutely right. So okay, so uh, are you guys familiar with Travis? Yep. Uh, is, it, is it a similar setup to that, where there's you, you put in some configuration which version of this or that you want, and it it has some of the the other pieces pre-installed, or how is the? It's a task-based system to where you simply say, "I would like to build an app," and we have templates like Rake um, or Make. Not 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 to level of a Make, right? You don't have this one file, it's a graphical user interface with, okay. a, with a catalog of tasks that say mm -hmm. I want you to run NPM, 
install, I want you to run Bower install, and I would like you to run a command line that compiles my node or runs my Mocha test. For and example. so the the extensions would be the ability to add in new things it doesn't understand. Exactly. Okay. You could exactly. in the JavaScript space you could have your build script uh, in Gulp, yep. and then over on VSTS you can set up a Gulp task Fast. to run as part of that CI yeah, flow. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yep. It's completely flexible, uh, which is why I can make the claims, the crazy claims that I make that we can do any language, any platform. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. So there, there's a five-year-old in me that wants to start throwing out languages and see if you say yes to, but I'm not going to do that. I will say that. yes to. The craziest <laughs> one I got was VB6. Someone said, hey, Donovan, I just saw your presentation. That was awesome. We still have VB6 in our organization. How can I do all that cool stuff with VB6? I'm like, fine. Challenge accepted. You can go to Donovan Brown right now at <laughs> DonovanBrown.com and read exactly how to do all this cool stuff with VB6. Hardest part? Getting VB6 to install on a modern OS, you have to stand a certain way, you have to kiss the baby, and then finally it'll install, <laughs> and then you gotta get the service pack on there. After that, it's a piece of cake. Yeah. Our tooling is great, right? And all I needed to do was call out to the command line and build the code. It was getting VB6 installed was the hard part. Right. Yeah, so just, just listeners, don't do that. Yeah, don't do yeah, that. Stay with JavaScript. Exactly. Golang, if you want to do that, if you want to do Python, PHP, whatever you want to do. Just, not not just PHP read. either. Don't do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, don't get me started. Yeah, I'm doing three languages, and, and well, I'm not going to give that away either. I keep talking about New Zealand. I'm not going to give it away. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over 1,000 tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and L.A. bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of 5 to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $2,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the Ruby Rogues link, you'll get a $4,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash JavaScript Jabber. <laughs> all right, all right. So, so maybe let's talk a little bit about Visual Studio Code. And I, we talked at, 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 at Build with uh, some members of the, the VS Code team. And yes. uh, I'm sure since then it's, it's come a little bit of a ways. And so what are some of the new things in the past six months or so? And, and tell us a little bit about the integrations. Uh, ooh. Well, I'm not. So I work on the mobile tooling ex and extension we've got for VS Code. So I'm not in the VS Code Ooh, team, to fun, be clear. So I might riff a little bit on what was new. Um, but yeah, I can't think of the exact latest and greatest that's, of the new stuff on VS Code. Yeah. I know fine. tabs were a hit coming in, the yep. ability to put in tabs if somebody wants them or not. There's been some new support for changing up mm -hmm. your um, flavor of icons and matching some, yep. some standards and out there on the icons in, uh, I can't think of the name of the of the extension that it was ported in, but yeah, me some either, things but like that. There's much more important changes as well. But, but, but one thing that I'm really curious about with um, mobile toolkits is, you know, you, you have Visual Studio Code that is essentially a wrapper around Chromium. So you, as you build Visual Studio Code, it's a web application. And so I think a lot of the tooling is focused around web development in JavaScript or TypeScript or whatever in Visual Studio Code. So what do you have to add on in order to do mobile development in Visual Studio Code? Yeah, so so from uh, my team, what we work on would be mm -hmm. the Apache Cordova open source project that okay. lets you build uh, apps deployed locally on mobile mm -hmm. devices but using web technology. Right. So for our tooling, you can, we have an extension called the Cordova Tools extension. And so you can go into the VS Code marketplace and install that. Mm -hmm. And then it will layer in support for some quick uh, command palette commands of uh, 
doing builds and running on various platforms. Uh, for example, on Android, I could run straight to a device or run in an Android emulator mm -hmm. on Mac or the PC. Or use one of our newer features, something called this Cordova Simulate, that lets you actually run the Cordova app in the web browser, but do some simulation of things like geolocation, gotcha. simulating a camera that you can't normally simulate in a Cordova app mm -hmm. running in the web browser. That makes sense. And it's really interesting, too. I mean, um, I've gotten to be friends with um, Mike and Matt, Mike and Max over at Ionic. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've talked to several other people that use Cordova for various things. Um, there's a big Apache, or Apache, I can't, I can't even speak today. <laughs> there, there's a big Adobe office near us, and they have the big Cordova day mm, you okay, know, yep. over in Utah. And, and so, you know, it's, it's a platform that people are really using and they're taking advantage of because they understand the web technologies. Exactly. And so it's, it's exciting to see somebody actually go after that and say, you know, here's some, here's some tools in an editor that's really designed for you to be able to use in these specific ways to, to write great apps. And so I, I'm kind of looking for something that's going to get people excited to go, oh, let me go get those mobile extensions. And then let's go ahead and once I have all this kind of coming together and, and building on my machine and running all the tests and doing all that stuff to hand it up to you know Visual Studio Team Services or whatever, uh, that, that's kind of what I was looking for from this episode, and I think we've got the team services end of it pretty well covered. But yeah, why should people be excited to use Visual Studio Code with mobile extensions on it as opposed to using something like the Android uh, system or I, I'm an email guy, you know? Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, I think it's the. Uh... So when you look at Cordova, and the one I really look at lately for the framework on top of that, the Ionic library, mm -hmm. which you mentioned, what I get excited about there is using the Ionic library with Cordova, I can build apps using my familiar HTML, JavaScript, right. CSS, uh, TypeScript now with mm -hmm. Ionic 2. And, and Angular. Get like, and Angular, <laughs> yeah, Angular 2. And get apps that start to feel more native. They can actually right. perform. They've got optimizations in there to take advantage of the latest uh, yeah. WK WebView on iOS. Mm -hmm. Um, optimizing through the new stuff coming in Angular 2. Uh, I can get apps that are performing and feel more like native applications, but stick right. with my familiar you know, what JavaScript technology? world and not have to learn Objective-C or Swift for iOS and mm -hmm. Java for Android and be able to you know, get, just get that all in the one place I'm mm -hmm. comfortable with. TypeScript giving me a... So I came up in the .NET world and C-sharp right. world, JavaScript at the same time, mm -hmm. and so I'm like the rich tooling I got from a typed language. And so mm -hmm. TypeScript starts to bring in some things that you know can help with some uh, quicker refactorings and stuff. So I get this workflow. It feels a bit like a native app workflow with strongly typed languages mm -hmm. and the Ionic framework to give me this richer feeling application but still stay in my comfy JavaScript land. Yeah. It's funny because you talk about I came up in the, the strongly typed land and so I like TypeScript. I, I got into development with Ruby you know, okay. so so for me, the JavaScript and the freeform, I'm like, why would you ever want types? They just get in the way. <laughs> <laughs> Compile time errors are better than runtime errors. That's why I want strong typing, right? Yeah, and that, and that was ultimately the, the thing that got me was I sat down with a few of my friends who were doing Angular or Ionic, um, and they pulled up TypeScript, and they started using decorators, and they started using some of these other features, and then they hit this build step, and it said, this is where you're going to have problems. And I was like, yeah, JavaScript and Ruby really don't do that for me. And in some ways, it's like, yes, but you know, just being able to run it raw and just do its thing is nice. 
But on the other hand, I've made enough stupid errors typing crap into my computer to where it's <laughs> like, oh, oh, I see. You know, I get this check against my code. And so, um, so that's nice. But ultimately what got me were some of the advanced features that JavaScript itself doesn't have. And the typing was just another nice added feature that, you know, took advantage of the extensions on my JavaScript and gave me a few more checks that were convenient. So I don't always use the typing in TypeScript. A lot of times it's just a, I forget what they call their basic anything type. Mm -hmm. At least any. Yeah. Yep. So sometimes I just use that because I don't want to worry about it. But, you know, when it's like, you know what, I really do want to make that check, it is pretty nice. So I, think so I, I want to add in that with TypeScript, you don't, you don't have to use TypeScript to use the TypeScript tooling. So just like True. for you jQuery, they have the definitely typed files so that you can use regular JavaScript with mm -hmm. TypeScript tooling. You can add JS doc to any of your JavaScript and yeah. use it with the TypeScript tooling. So you can get that, that benefit of having compile time like mm -hmm. um, and having some of the IntelliSense and that sort of thing without yeah. having to degrade yourself and debase to that level. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say that some of the annotations, though, it's just like, I know I'm getting a number, or I know I'm getting a class. And I like having classes in JavaScript, so. Gotcha. I think another reason I might not go so far as, as TypeScript is because I unit test so much. Uh -huh. So to me, they're, they're not, I don't have to wait to run the app to find out I screwed up. Right? Yeah. A lot of people don't write unit tests. TypeScript is really valuable because it tells you at compile time you screwed up. Well, yeah. I know because I'm going to run all my tests, and they're going to tell me I screwed up. Yeah. Right? So I think that's another reason why I just don't, I just don't get it yet. Or like, why? Yeah, I, that's fair. And I, don't, and I definitely don't want to get in the habit of relying on, on type checking and compile time errors to uh -huh. give me an excuse not to write unit tests. I, I almost Yeah, I almost feel more, I agree with that. more pressure to write the unit test because I don't have the typing there uh -huh. to protect me. So I, I, on the subject of unit tests, so th this, is, this is the problem that I get into, and I think a lot of people do. Okay. I sit down, and I'm not thinking, like, I'm writing production code. I'm sitting down and like, oh, I got this problem. I'm going to scratch this itch for a minute. Sure. Right? And then, like, two hours later, I've got a node library that's published to NPM. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes more like Common six disease. hours later. Right? <laughs> and it's like, oh, it, it worked. It did the thing that I needed to do. I'm not worried about it. And, like, maybe I never even, maybe I never even update it again except for when some weird edge case bug is found and then I published 1.0.2. Sure, sure. But to me, I found that writing unit tests make me faster as a developer. I totally believe it. Right, so that six hours it took you to publish it, maybe I would have published it in four mm -hmm. hours because every time you stood up the scenario to oh, walk no, no, through no, no, it yourself. Oh, no, 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 I wrote it for four hours or five hours and then I, and then I, and then it ran perfectly. Of, of course. course it did. Of course <laughs> it did. Because <laughs> it had this, this, the inputs you gave it, which you expected to use it for, and then when I download it and I give it an input you didn't expect it for, I think this is a piece of crap, right? Yeah, and you're they, using it wrong. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. <laughs> it was only for this one scenario. So no, whatever. My random function returns four because I chose that by fair dice roll. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, but so I again, and if you get into the habit of it, you literally become a faster developer if you write unit tests. It, it's such a uh -huh. weird place to have to get to, but once you get there, I'll, I'll never go back to not writing them. That's true, but at the same time, I found that having a good set of tools on it, I think that's. I keep coming back to this too, because I mean, in Emacs, <coughs> I have a, a, I have it set up so that every time I save, it opens up another. Uh, tab or uses the one that was already open and it ru runs all of my tests okay, in good. that other pane. And you know, and so I have those tests. 
or in Visual Studio Code, you know, it's relatively easy if you've got the test to just say, run them again. Yeah, and there's and, also a plugin for that too. There's a Mocha extension yeah. that will run them whenever you want. To. Yeah, or you can use Karma or whatever, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever but, you want. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's that kind of, you know, it's like, don't make me think about it. Yes. Which is kind of what DevOps is about too, right? Yeah. But it's, it's don't make me think about it. And so when you have these kinds of powerful tools, it, it, it's just so great because it's like, oh yeah, um, I set it up once and it just kind of does my does my thing. Yeah. So. yeah now, now where I like TypeScript when I'm going to unit test, sure, because sure, sure. I don't always write production code, but when I do, I use TDD. Mm -hmm. The uh, At the start, to save me the cycles of going to look up the docs for IntelliSense, that's a piece I love. There you and go. then mm -hmm. my test catching that red-green refactor loop when I can do refactorings that are higher confidence of like the renames. Absolutely. TypeScript can make me faster there and then my tests are that. Oh, that's that very valid, so very I, valid I, I like that kind no, of tag that, no, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, that's a fantastic That's point. a really uh, good point with TypeScript is, yeah, the, the refactorings become a lot simpler. Yeah, and IntelliSense is always nice, yeah. right? It, IntelliSense is different than just like remembering what you typed before and giving it to you again. This is literally understanding the library that you're using right. and making smart suggestions, right? Because yep. most editors today remember, oh, you've typed something that looks similar. You probably want to type that again. No, no, no. Yeah. IntelliSense is different, and that's something that TypeScript really gives you is true, proper IntelliSense, which is fantastic. Yep. No, very good point. I, I trust me. I keep trying. I keep <laughs> wanting to learn. I'm trying to solve. I keep wanting to learn it, and it just takes me too long, and I get frustrated. I'm like, I'd be done already, right? If I didn't, because I just don't get the tooling. We need to make wiring it up and getting started with it easier, so that people don't oh, have the excuse that I have, right? Because it just. Oh, did you set up the right, and then even in even in code, right? You have to set up the TS config, and you got to set up this other file to make sure it understands that. And then I got to download the typing files, and then I got to remember that it's not quite JavaScript, right? And you got to write it a certain way, and the type is like, <laughs> I, I'm too old, man. I'm too old to learn another language. I'm like, so, I'm just exhausted. Well, for me, one of the one of the issues is actually um, because of what I do with, you know, being in the home cloud business, sure, sure. I do a lot of prototyping on ARM devices. Okay. And I will write code on the device because gotcha. I, I'm doing so much networking stuff. Like localhost doesn't work for what I do. Gotcha. Right? Like I need it to actually be on a thing that's doing, right? Right. And uh, and and so having all that build tool set up, especially on ARM for me is, that's kind of, Part of my pain, and I know that's not the pain for a lot of people. Most people have like a super expensive MacBook that sure. has eight cores in it, and right. you know, run it four gigahertz each, and right. and so you know, it, it takes a microsecond, and it's no yeah, big deal. Yeah, but that's a handicap too, right? Where you have the MacBook Pro with the fast process, you know, processor with eight cores in it, and you know, all that RAM and stuff. And then my mom tries and run it on, tries to run it on her machine. Because your mom is always trying to run your Mocha test <laughs> and your, your TypeScript. Well, no, even just my web application, right? Yes. And so yes. I have I have a, a, a large set of JavaScript that's trying to run on her machine as a client, and it doesn't perform as well, or it has some issue, or that's she's using point. an older version of a browser or something. You know, I mean, I've got it all up to date because I want to make sure it works on the latest stuff, but. Well, it, and that's it, where a yeah, DevOps yeah. pipeline would help a lot, right? Because yeah. we would do that testing for you on, on that, yeah. the different collection of items. In his talk at Utah JS, Tim Caswell was talking about how his focus is on Chromebooks. He wants people to be able to develop in right. JavaScript on Chromebooks, mm -hmm. and a lot some of those are ARM processors. Yeah, you know, so the, so I guess that's and, mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know if there's any Android tablets that you can write JS on, but mm -hmm. there's somebody's got an app for that somewhere, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. So there are you know there are legitimate use cases yeah. too where people. 
I do want to get back to your point though about ARM devices, you know, where you have essentially it's an IoT device, you know, it's a it's a computer, but it's got limited resources and, and people are using it for specific things. You know, for you it's it's basically a cloud server on my home network. But you know, other people it's their home automation or they're writing JavaScript against some other thing, you know, where it's displaying information on a screen and that's all it does. You know, so so yeah, so what what do Visual Studio Code and uh, Visual Studio Team Services offer me to help deal with those situations where it's not, I mean, it's Linux, I guess, but it's, you know, it, it's a resource-constrained environment where I'm really trying to, you know, I like having the nice tools write my JavaScript, but, you know, I, I'm not really going to test it on my machine because it doesn't mean anything. That part I'm not, I'm not sure about. If you were trying to do integration or performance testing on your machine, it would be unfair right. for those of us who don't. Yes. But unit testing and stuff, I think... Yeah, fair enough. Okay, fair okay, enough. Okay, good. So, um, and then when you're doing your integration testing, you'd have to find environments that mimic what your customers are going to be using. Now, the ARM part, um, that's a little bit trickier, mm -hmm. uh, but we literally got a guy to install our... That build agent I keep talking about that runs on Linux, Mac, and PC, they got it installed on a Raspberry Pi, <laughs> right? So pretty much wherever you want to be, we could actually go run your code on that Raspberry Pi and then run your test to say, on a Raspberry Pi, it still performs the way it performed or it performs oh, nice. adequately enough right. that I'm happy with mm -hmm. it, right? So wherever you want to be, I, get, I, yeah. I thought I was blown away when I saw our agent running on a Raspberry Pi. It knocked me out. I was like, that's freaking awesome. Like, it literally yeah. is everywhere you need to be right now. So. Was that Windows 10 IoT or was it that was Linux? It was before that. It was the Linux one. It okay. was the Linux one. That, that's what blew me away. I was like, that is freaking mm -hmm. awesome, right? And um, I haven't played with the Windows 10 one. I haven't tried getting an agent on there yet, but I, I'd have to see. I have to play with it and see. Because now it's all written in .NET Core, right? We completely ported. We used to have two different agents, one written specifically for Mac and Linux, and then the other one written for .NET, uh, mm -hmm. for Windows. Now they're literally are all written in .NET Core because it runs everywhere, right? right? So we so theoretically .NET Core, can, the new JavaScript. Yeah. <laughs> if you can or get the core new Java, there, that was the promise of Java, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was <laughs> right, and and it never was true. It's always write once, test everywhere, right, and, and then rewrite it again. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to open that can of worms. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me either. Me either. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, do you provide? Tools, you know, I mean, because because a lot of the mobile devices are ARM devices as right. well, right? Yeah. So, you know, do, do your mobile tools give you some view into some of these constrained environments, or is that a completely different concern? Typically, what I look at for that angle is the the world of testing on the emulator or the devices. Uh -huh. So, in my own mobile development workflow, I may have uh, like our team's got a few like even Android four one devices that are mm -hmm. lower performance than what's out in the market today. Right, and so it's more of backing those through testing on these devices and seeing okay. how they run. And then you're getting into your mm -hmm. uh, performance tuning kind of best practices right. and using the browser tools to mm -hmm. examine what's my memory usage like. So not so much in tooling for that versus mm -hmm. backing it up by where you, what you're testing on. Right. So have some local de devices to test mm -hmm. on and then you can scale out through right. like, CI solutions to a bigger farm of things. Right, so you have your system that essentially then can deploy to the Raspberry Pi sitting on my desk, and the BeagleBone sitting on my desk, and the, is it an Edison? I don't remember, there's another one out there that people keep oh, telling me about. No, yeah, I don't know I'm that one. Sure. Yeah, me either. That's, the, that's the Intel one. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Intel oh, okay. one, yes. that one yet. Yeah, I think it's uh, an Atom processor. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's an ARM. Okay, Maybe yeah, it I don't it's think it's Raspberry an ARM, Pi, and yeah. then Arduinos and Netduinos and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, Arduinos, but yeah. So, so yeah, so you would just test them that way and yeah. put right. them on the device and then monitor them and see how they do. I'm right. getting, or I'm throttle getting... down locally in the browser by, you know, there's tools out there 
to throttle your, your network oh, bandwidth fair, and like simulate some sure. things. Yeah, we have those tools too. Yeah. Yep. Cool deal. Cool. Well, um, we're running short on time, so we're going to go ahead and push the picks. Okay. Can I ask one tiny question? What is the worst phone operating system that's still widely used? <laughs> like, like as as in like Android four point three or like what is what is the troublesome thing that you're waiting to fall away? Blackberry. Okay, I was gonna. I thought it was but that, nobody uses that, right? <laughs> Some people. I don't but know I mean, why. I mean, we're talking like greater than one percent. Mm. You know, maybe greater than, yeah, at least greater than one percent. Like, what is what is one of the phone platforms you're just hoping will die? I think the one I hear about the most is going to be Android sooner before is it before four one when that was not when there was no optimize it was it just it was not even the WebKit engine it was a different mm -hmm. browser now you can get around it with Cordova and sub in this thing called Crosswalk to replace it but like the older versions of Android a lot of people are dealing with those still but that's the mm, one that yeah. from a JavaScript hybrid app developer mm -hmm. caused the biggest pain so yeah. you Microsoft Edge. In. Is the new Chrome and Android less than four? Is the new Internet Explorer six? Wow, man! <laughs> wow. I'm glad we're. I'm glad this is almost done because I've had about enough of you right now. Man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I'm, I'm gonna push the picks. AJ, what are your picks? Uh, so I'm going to pick um, Viridian Dynamics. It's a great company. They make lots of wonderful products that are safe for your home. And their Jabberwocky presentation is absolutely the best business presentation I've ever seen. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, because you have no idea what I'm talking about, there's a TV show called Better Off Ted. Okay. And Viridian Dynamics is the company that he works for. Okay. And if you've ever played uh, Portal and that the, the Aperture Labs, very similar. It's a, it's a joke company. Gotcha. And yeah. But check out the Jabberwocky video on YouTube because... Um, it's, it's the title of lots of business talks gotcha. all put into a okay. three minute. Nice. Yeah. When you see it, you'll get it. Oh, cool. But, so, uh, uh, I'm going to make a pick. Uh, last time I was in Atlanta, I was here for a conference. Um, a few folks and I, we went down to Hard Rock Cafe and I don't know why, but I like the place. So, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the food's good. The environment's kind of fun, so yeah, if you're in Atlanta or anywhere else that has one, um, Hard Rock Cafe is, is a pick. Uh, one other pick, if you're a fan of the show and uh, you want to run into me in person, I'm going to be at CES in January, cool. seeing all the new gizmos and stuff. I ran into AJ there last year. Um, so yeah, if you're, if you're in Las Vegas and you want to get together, let me know. Or if you're going to be at CES, then I may wander around for a day with you. I think it's funny that we see each other more across the country than we do right where we are. <laughs> it's true. AJ lives a couple miles from me. Nice. <laughs> nice. Donovan, what are your picks? Uh, I, I picked 3D printers. We kind of talked about that a little bit in the break, and uh, uh -huh. I love my 3D printer. I look for excuses to print stuff. Uh, I just wish it was faster. So Hopefully they'll get faster, but yeah, yeah, I love 3D printers. Yeah, I wind up fixing my car a lot, and I keep thinking, it's just a little plastic piece, right? That's exactly why I bought one. I, have a, I, have a, I collect BMWs, and I collect a lot of old, rare ones, and plastic uh -huh. brakes on the old, rare ones, and those parts are... I found one that I couldn't simply replace. BMW doesn't make the part anymore. It's just right. a piece of plastic. So I literally uh -huh. bought a 3D printer for that part. Uh, it cost me 3000 bucks for this like $9 part <laughs> that, I, that they don't make anymore. But right. over time, that will Eventually be a very cheap part. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But I printed speaker grills and all sorts of stuff to fix my cars. So I love it. A good deal. 
How about the you, years Jordan? your home starts to look more mean? like Legos? Yes. Oh. My most random one's got to be a thing I'm into right now around getting my next year's home garden set up. Uh -huh. So cool. thinking of gardening for geeks, there's these guys called Seattle Urban Farm Company. They got a book uh -huh. on high yield gardening. It is like glorious geekiness for like the home gardener looking to do mini farm. Oh, very so cool. That's probably my main non-professional pick. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, if people want to find out more about what you guys are working on or see what's going on with your various projects, uh, what should they do? Uh, our, well, you can take a look at taco.visualstudio.com is where we've got a lot of info on our tools for mm -hmm. Apache Cordova. So taco.visualstudio.com. Nice. And are you on Twitter or yeah, somewhere where people Twitter, follow you? Twitter, Jay Matheson. That's J-M-A-T-T-H-I-E-S-E-N. Awesome. All right. Uh, all of our stuff is on visualstudio.com. It's also where you can go to start your own Visual Studio Team Services account for free and start playing with all this crazy stuff I was talking about. And I am at Donovan Brown on Twitter, and I blog all the time at DonovanBrown.com. So just remember Donovan Brown. If you Google it, I'll, I'll be the first person that you see up there. Good deal. Well, Good thanks deal. for coming. My pleasure, guys. Don't Thank you mind if you bing it? Uh, yeah, I, I, I slipped up, man. I told you I'm sick of you, man. I'm so glad this is over. Thanks. Adios. That was awesome, man.